Hey guys. I'm Noelle Moran. And I'm Lois Shaw. And this is In Service. Hi friends. It's episode three in our medium-sized series on what the scripture says about teaching. What are we talking about today? So today we are going to be looking at James 3, really thinking about taming the tongue um, and what the Bible says about teachers and how we should use our words as we communicate with others. So looking at James chapter 3, taming the tongue, it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, straining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind. But no human can make tame, can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false in the truth. Thus is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. I have a couple of thoughts. As I'm reading here in the notes of my study Bible, um, well, let's let's Slight begin. flex. <clears throat> yes, here in my very large Bible, it makes me very spiritual. You are as spiritual as the size of your Bible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, when it says teachers, we touched on this two weeks ago, but. When it's talking about teachers in the epistles, it is typically talking about teachers of God's word in the church. Um, And we recognize that, but do believe it applies because we are teachers of God's word in the church, capital C, even though we're also teachers by vocation. This, not many of you should become teachers, should not be a word of discouragement. We're not calling out to all you teachers and saying, not... Many of you shouldn't be. (laughs) We are saying as an encouragement, if the Lord has called you to be a teacher, that that is a high calling and we are held to a higher standard because of our influence. But I'm also looking here at 
our reasoning in becoming teachers? Are we becoming teachers for status or control or leadership? And I'm looking at the second part of this passage talking about jealousy and selfish ambition and really taking a a heart look at why we're teachers, what our goals and ambitions are, um, what are we boasting in? Are we boasting in Christ or are we boasting in our status? Sometimes teaching can be an ego feeder because you're in charge and you're in control. The Lord convicted me before I even started my student teaching of like you being in charge is not a good reason to be a teacher and you having a posture of service and selflessness servant leadership reflecting the way Christ led is going to be far more impactful than having control. Yeah, I think kind of going off of that, one of the things that the Lord really put on my heart and convicted me of similarly to you, Lois, was how consistent my life needed to be. Who I present myself to be in front of my students also needed to be who I was outside of the classroom. As I really considered who do I want to be as a teacher, who do I want to be as a leader and as a guide. And so really evaluating my life and thinking like, am I being consistent in what I'm saying to my students, in what I'm saying to mentor teachers, in what I'm saying to professors, but then also in what I'm saying to close friends and in what I'm saying, I was playing basketball, so in what I was saying to teammates and coaches and just really thinking about that consistency of, as it says in verse one, um, for we know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Hmm. Verse 17 is one of my favorite verses. I'm going to give it a read. You hear my biblical pages. (laughs) But wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So, I would say even recently, um, I have viewed this verse as a checklist to analyze my own decisions and if they are wise. And I think a better way is abiding in Christ, being full of fruit of the spirit, going with what it says in James one, which is if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. Um, that rather than striving really hard to have wisdom and analyzing our decisions and are they wise and thinking about it and being very cerebral, which there is goodness there in thinking critically about our choices, but how the promise in scripture is that if we are lack, if we want wisdom, ask the Lord in faith and he is going to give it to us generously. Then naturally out of you is going to flow purity and peace and gentleness and mercy and good fruit and partiality and sincerity. And again, it goes back to us not needing to do the work. Like the good news is that Christ does that work in us. And if our hearts are set on Christ and we are full of fruit of the spirit, then naturally we will speak life. Yeah. So Looking at verse eight, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We on our own are a restless evil full of deadly poison. Without the Lord, our mouths are poison. We are speaking death into people. But as you were saying, like he has done the work for us. So what we need to do is call, is draw near to him. 
And the more we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the more we are surrendering him, the more we are holding our life with open hands and letting him use us rather than trying to be in control of every moment and every situation. That is when we'll be speaking life into other people. And that is when it'll naturally flow to be encouraging people and to not have to think twice about, oh, like I want to encourage five people today. It'll naturally happen when that's where the posture of your heart is. And also just thinking about, there's a verse in Matthew 12, I believe it's verse 34 that says, for out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Take care of your heart first. And the way to take care of your heart is to fill it with, is to fill it with Christ. Mm. And you will see the ways that he will work through your heart when you draw near to him. Mm. That's so good. When I was in middle school, I remember a youth pastor saying that we can't try really hard to have fruit of the spirit. Like you can't just set out to be more patient and put in a lot of effort and then see that grow in yourself. And I remember thinking that that was bogus and that if I tried really hard, I could definitely have joy and peace. And those were things for me to work on and buckle down and have gentility. And <laughs> turns out he was right because when you are just trying really hard (laughs) to bear fruit of the spirit that's not how it works one of my favorite passages is ezekiel 17 where god says i make the dry tree flourish like if you were thinking about yourself as a tree bearing fruit god is the one who grows the fruit And again, we need to just abide in him. Like good news is like zero work for us. We get to just go abide in him, be in his presence, receive his love. If you are choosing Christ and choosing to be in his presence and going to his word, seeking after him, asking him for wisdom, then you will overflow with life. And Ephesians 4.29 says, say only what is helpful. And when I am hyper analyzing my words and I'm a chatty person. So I have a lot of, I'm a woman of many words, but when I'm hyper analyzing that it's exhausting to think about is every single thing I'm saying helpful. But when I am abiding in Christ, walking closely with him, naturally I say words of life. Yeah. As I was reading through chapter three, I was just thinking about how all of this connects to teaching and another school year is looming. And whether or not that fills you with excitement or fear or anxiety, I just really want to encourage each one of you guys to really be praying for your students and praying about the interactions that you'll be having with them. I had a lot of people when I first started out teaching give me a lot of unsolicited classroom management advice. And it ranged from saying things like, make sure your students never see you smile or don't let them know the real you until the second semester or make them afraid of you because that's how they'll stay in line or they'll behave. And I just really want to encourage you to encourage your students and to champion them. And no matter how much preparation you put into a school year, it's going to come with unexpected situations and conversations. And so like Lois was saying, just making sure that one way that you can prepare is really by being in the word and filling yourself with the Holy Spirit and praying for those fruits of the spirit. And you will be the best equipped to handle anything that comes your way when you are most filled with the Holy Spirit, letting him speak through you. Every single day, especially with high schoolers, I have students come to me with problems or issues or concerns or need advice and just kind of having those moments where afterwards you think, 
hmm, if I had planned that out, I probably wouldn't have reacted the way that I had, but by surrendering to Lord and holding Mm. these interactions with open hands, you see the creativity in which he handles these situations. Amen. Just welcoming the Holy Spirit into our, our conversations and our instructional time as well, and asking him to give us the words and the wisdom, both in words and in the, our tone of voice and the manner in which we're communicating, asking him to enter into those spaces. And we know we have the promise that he will be faithful to give us wisdom generously. And just talking about the value of words and the importance that they can have on students specifically just really made me remember when I was first offered a high school position teaching English, one of the ways that I prepared to enter into that. I have always been somebody who journals throughout my whole life, and it has been a really cool way to track the Lord's faithfulness. But I opened up my journal from when I was a high schooler myself and just read through all these entries from ages 14 through 18 and was honestly just really saddened and struck by the lies that I believed about myself. And I remember writing down conversations I'd had with people that had played a really negative role in my life. And it kind of just shifted the way that I saw myself, what I believed I was capable of. And who I was rather than opening up scripture and opening up the Bible and seeing what God says about me and letting that define me instead. Mm. Like that in and of itself, reading that, I vowed that I would be careful with the words that I chose to speak into students' lives because as a teacher, you get the opportunity to say so much. And like we were saying previously, that's not to overanalyze every single situation and, and conversation that you have with students, but to really just be conscious of the words that you are letting seriously flow into the hearts of others. Because even in moments when you feel like they're not picking up what you're saying, whether or not you see the impact in that day, mm. in that moment, in that school year, whether or not you ever live to see that impact, mm. the Lord is working through the words that you are speaking. Mm, yeah. When you have those moments where you do not feel like you've chosen to speak life into students, just pull them aside and be like, hey, I just want to recognize that I have messed up. And this is like whether I was unkind or I said things more harshly or whatever the situation may be, like don't put yourself above students that you can't come to their level mm. and acknowledge we're humans too and we make mistakes as teachers. We're not above sin. Yeah, that's so good. I think it's really important for teachers to be able to apologize and to show students that they understand that they are wrong. Mm. So it kind of goes twofold to use words to speak life, but also understand that when those situations do occur, when you do fall short of that, never be afraid to pull those students aside and make sure that they know how loved and cared for they are. Because ultimately the mission, as we say at the end of every podcast, is to make disciples and to be like Christ, you have to show up and to show up and love specifically. So James 3 really points to the power of words, and I don't think that that is something that we should ever discredit. Mm, that's so good. What are your action steps? My action steps are ask God for wisdom. Yeah, and mine is... Start praying for your students now and the interactions you'll have with them. Mm. Oh, that's good. Basically, our action steps are Jesus. Just include Jesus. Ask Jesus. It can sound redundant for us to continuously say, oh, but the answer is Jesus. 
but I cannot hammer home the point enough that the answer is Jesus. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you feel empowered in the gospel and in the words of the greatest teacher. Go and make disciples. Disciples.